0: Hi everybody and welcome back to the latest episode of B2B NAV and on this episode we are um, joined by our colleague James who is a exhibition, an exhibition and exhibition and events specialist and our usual Mr Oli Breewood um, head of digital and tech here at BDB. So we wanted to spend um, this morning's podcast kind of elaborating on events and exhibitions um, given that's James's specialism um, so welcome to the B2B NAV podcast James thank you your first appearance with a beautiful background so, Well, i hope
1: you like it i feel there's some
0: positivity
1: in it that's why i've gone for it we've <laughs>
0: think, got we all need a bit of that at the minute don't we we all
1: there's a tiny little light at the end of the tunnel but it's very bright so <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's why i've gone
0: for it that's what we're going to be aiming for at the minute so there's been an, an awful lot of disruption to um events and exhibition space which we've referenced on previous podcasts and um, since the coronavirus and and COVID-19 outbreak. James, do you want to give, a, give us a flavour, I guess, of what you think the main challenges are that the industry is facing at the minute as a result of that?
1: Well, I guess the, the first challenge, which is um, the challenge the whole country is going to face, is um, slowly bringing people back together. Mm-hmm. And as events and exhibitions are, basically making an opportunity for people to network, be very in close proximity together, mm-hmm. um, have the opportunity to talk about their industry and where their industry is going. Mm-hmm it's very important to have exhibitions and events so that people can, um, I guess, continue to create leads in their industry. And I think the gap over the next six months or so, if people don't find ways to plug that gap, will be that the leads and the growth opportunities potentially might not be there for a little bit longer. So I think the key thing for forward thinking businesses is to make sure that they're trying to find ways to at least gain a percentage of those leads, if not find a potential way to gain more.
0: Yep. Because I think so I that's, guess, the, that, that's the reality of the situation at the minute, isn't it? I guess in terms of the, e- even when lockdowns are lifted and social distancing is potentially relaxed slightly, the last thing that's going to happen really is, you know, from what I'm reading, particularly about the US and across Europe, seems to be events and group gatherings, certainly over 50 people seems to be, you know, part of Trump's plan that he's sort of unveiled the three-phased approach the other day. Um, they're not going to be coming back for some time from the sounds of things. So we've seen a lot of events, myself and, and, you, and you, James, have been deferred to the latter half of this year. Ollie do you think, that's, do you think they'll realist, realistically be taking place? Do you think September, October, November, this is obviously only an
2: opinion at this point, but do, do yeah. you think they'll be happening? It's hard to imagine um, everything returning back to normal that quickly, because even mm-hmm. if the UK gets you know our lockdown lifted and things like that, there's so many countries involved, everybody's kind of got to be pretty safe for travel and for exhibitions to go back to normal. Because obviously the exhibitions we're talking about aren't typically national exhibitions, they're international, people yeah. traveling over the world. And if the entire world's not fairly open, yeah. then has got to have a massive impact on how, if nothing else, how feasible the events are to run. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: And I guess, J- James, in
0: your shoes, so I guess at the minute we've seen, I guess with a lot of clients, there's a reluctance to kind of shift budget if that makes sense. So budgets they've got allocated for exhibitions and because the exhibition organisers for the meantime have deferred rather than necessarily cancelling, there's a reluctance to commit budget to either an alternative area of spend or just in case the show does happen I guess because you can't magically find more marketing budget overnight. Um, have you got any recommendations there for I guess how they could maybe make best use of marketing budgets in the meantime?
1: um I, it's a tricky one i can completely I completely understand why they're thinking like that mm. um events which are every, um, every six months or every compared to every year it may be a case that the ones which are every six months will be likely to be cancelled and then the one will feed in six months later ones which are annually um i guess it's a way of looking at like ollie said um, picking up on what events will come first and reading guidelines you can guess and guess and guess and you can continue to do that um my thought is that industries where would have a high impact on the economy and can help the economy grow quicker will get exhibitions back in a quicker basis i guess um industries like my guess would be things like pharmaceuticals would come back quite quickly because they need to move forward so yeah it's a very tricky one but um yeah. not having like I said before about reduce of leads I feel it's um they have to find ways in the interim
0: yeah
1: and i guess so tie, I guess that's tie, the key thing
0: and tying into that ollie then from a, from a' cause, you know we've, we've said it before, we'll say it again, certainly if one thing um coronavirus has done is accelerated a lot of businesses kind of uh, di- digitalization or digital transformation or adoption of digital practices mm-hmm. um it surely that's the area where people should be looking to to kind of replace those meetings and and, and opportunities to create um leads or or, or meet with
2: people what, what's your thoughts on that i think we're already seeing that i think we've seen um quite a few events certainly within the marketing space that have shifted mm-hmm. from being a physical event to now we've got our event, um just to have, replacing that with a webinar uh, in some cases. Some, sometimes it's been a series of webinars. I've seen a few companies attempt at doing um, networking, which I, I know James just raised as a point that's really important. So yeah. a kind of virtual networking by just having a bunch of strangers that were at this event hopping on a, a Zoom call and things like that. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely seeing companies start to embrace different ways of doing that. Do you think there's a, Do you think there's a risk
0: here a question to both of you but there's a risk here that everybody jumps on the same bandwagons so by that i mean we are seeing everybody 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 i've seen so far on linkedin or most of the social media platforms seems to be some kind of zoom meeting with 40 people on a screen with the grid format and this seems to be the the, the, the social media post of a prevalence at the minute that everybody's putting up about their businesses and how forward thinking they are because they've had a rather a webinar on a zoom meeting how, effect, how effective can those Zoom meetings really be? It's, it's great. I, mean, it's, I
2: think it's an interesting point, and, and it goes a bit wider than this, I think. Um, yeah, I'm sure those Zoom calls will be more effective than doing nothing, um, yeah. especially given the current climate and everything. Mm. I think um, if you want to be forward-thinking, you need to think how you can elevate beyond that. Obviously, we can't go meet face-to-face, so what experience can we put around that to make that more interesting? The same applies even before this. Uh, we were thinking about this with regards to content. You know, People put out blogs all the time, articles all the time. That's the kind of thing where again, there's so much noise, how do you elevate your content above that and provide an experience that's memorable? And I think the same, like I say, applies to having Zoom calls. How do we, how do we take what we can do at the minute and make it a, a memorable experience that stands out from everybody else? Mm-hmm.
0: And James, do you think there's a risk, I guess those clients and prospects maybe that are a bit nervous to maybe try something new and do want to sit back and kind of wait and see what happens. Do you think clearly there's a risk there that they could lose a lot of ground on their competition or in the industry?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a calculated risk. Um, If you go on a zoom call for 20 minutes um, and something really cool happens, you may remember it. But if you go on, if you've created something which is different to your competitors and they go on and they, I guess, they see something which is like, when you go to an exhibition, you see something which is really cool and you go, mm-hmm. oh, that was quite cool. We might go and speak to those people. Yeah. If they see something like, if a, for example, if we supplied something and saw, someone saw that on social media and thought, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That sticks in a memory more than a conversation, I would say, on Zoom. Yeah. So it's making yeah. sure that you're still sticking in people's memories and you're going, well, this could be the thing what fills the now or it could be the thing what fills the future. So you're, planning, you're forward thinking as well as thinking about
0: the present. I think that's where it comes into trying to recreate the kind of real life experience, I guess, because I don't think, I, personally, I don't think exhibitions will ever disappear. I don't think they'll ever be replaced. I think you might see more of a prominence on, on local events rather than global events going forward, potentially, if people maybe aren't as willing to travel or maybe aren't as willing to congregate in large, large international gatherings like you get at the, at the, at the large scale exhibitions. However, can anything really replace that that face-to-face, that personal touch, that time you get sat with somebody talking through products or services or developments, or even just catching up, depending on what your 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 objective is for attending that? There, there is such power in that exhibitions, isn't there, James? In terms of what 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 clients genuinely do get out of it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess you don't I guess people go there knowing they're gonna bump into people who are like minded. So it's great Mm. if you're if you're into sports say you wanna meet people who talk about sport. If you're into if you're into food, you wanna talk to people who are into food. So it's a great opportunity to meet people like that. Mm. And that's why I can Continue to not be concerned about the long term of exhibitions.
2: Yeah. The kind of thing that's because, much less likely to happen, the kind of conversations are much less likely to happen if you aren't face to face because if we're having a, a Zoom call or whatever call you might be having, you're probably going to stick to the point and then jump off the call. Whereas in, in real life, we're going to have tangents, we're going to have conversations, and we're going to get to know people on a more personal level, which mm-hmm. is just going strengthen that relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there's, a, there's an awful lot of, um, people either adapting or pivoting or trying to pivot at the meantime into kind of online online events, as I will call them for the meantime, um, quite broad brush and to varying degrees of success from what I can see. Um, I guess, Ollie, in that space, I've read all sorts of stats that people are more likely to engage online because there's less nervousness about approaching a stand, which I know some people do find that quite a daunting experience. There's longer maybe dwell times on people having the ability to consume content online because people maybe feel a bit more pressured on the stand by people and and attendees and so on. What's your thoughts on that kind of um, virtual space for the meantime? Do you think it could ultimately plug the void of exhibitions or do you think it's a temporary spike while tools are down? um, I
2: think it's an interesting one. I think in a way is it going to help plug the gap at the minute. There's no doubt about that because we can't do events. Uh, And I think we've talked about this previously, but even when events resume officially, Mm. I imagine there's still going to be some hesitancy for a period of time about Mm. travel, about whether companies have uh, enabled their employees to travel. But even when all of that passed, then I still think we have to consider that um, there's been an audience that's probably been quite neglected for a while, which is people that can't attend the events, people who companies will only pay for 10 people to attend the event, when maybe there's 30 people that really wanted to go. Yeah, so I think there is a space for something of an ongoing virtual kind of event category Mm -hmm. that probably isn't exploited like used widely enough at the moment. Yeah, and I
0: guess the other thing, sticking with you all, for the meantime, on that, that I've noticed is it's bringing more prominence the virtual or online event world of the need to complement it with digital amplification and. Um, promotion pre-event I guess because an exhibition as you'll know James it's much easier to go with kind of a an Hope approach of build a stand and hope somebody walks past whereas yeah. when you're doing some kind of virtual or online event um, you know you don't you don't promote it No, nobody's there are they Put it, putting it bluntly which I you know sounds yeah. amazing a lot of yeah. clients yeah. Seem to really take it no a lot of clients just seem to be taking that as a learning
2: is what I've seen sorry yeah go on Ollie I was going to say, you know with an, an exhibition, especially based on previous year statistics, that it's likely to have a footfall of 20-odd thousand people. Mm. If you set up your own event or a webinar or whatever it is you're doing, there's no inherent organ, uh, audience that's coming to that. So, yeah, you do have to kind of start from scratch and drive it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And J- James, have
0: you seen much on the virtual or online event space so far? Have you, have you come across anything you, you know that you think they're doing well or not doing well in terms of trends or technologies or...? Well, it seems to
1: be honest. I follow, as I say, being an exhibitions, I follow literally every exhibition company. I follow um, all the people involved in the industry. And you see a lot of posts and you see a lot of written information. You see people saying virtual. However, you don't really see anything as such, which is actually like actual content. Yeah. So uh, I think we're in a bit of an interim period where there is a gap where people may be working on it in the background and there's probably things going on. However, we're not seeing anything yet. And I think. Um, once we do start seeing little, we do start seeing things. We see the couple of companies doing it, especially if any of the big players start doing it. Yeah, although might be a quick follow from a lot yeah. of other people. Yeah. So Absolutely. do companies go? Let's go first, or yeah. do companies go? Let's wait. And I think to be forward thinking and using initiative, I feel like they've got to take calculated risk with the budget. there are always going to be risks at the moment. Mm-hmm. So Making sure that risk is well calculated and well thought out. Yeah. And do they go first on virtual stuff? In my mind, I think it'd be quite a good idea because you see everyone talking about it and we're all speaking virtually. It's like the new word, furlough and virtual.
0: They're like
1: the two new words that we talk about in society at the moment. Yeah, it's probably in that order. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) unfortunately in that order. So we're probably getting, it's like when they went toilet roll first from the first week of lockdown and everything else changed maybe it's, it's, there's a good chance it potentially will be a few weeks where virtual takes over, especially as key events start going on in May and June.
0: you think, I guess, tied, tied to that, um Ollie, I'll come to you first in the sense of, I've seen some of the price points of these virtual weeks or days or um, offerings, I guess, and it seems like people are almost lifting what the pricing model is from a physical exhibition and trying to apply that to a digital environment let's call it and um, and by that it's been a it's, a it's a general sweeping statement but from what i've seen so far it's exceptionally expensive and pricey to participate in some of these early um, so that's for
2: a virtual exhibition right
0: yeah that kind of thing yeah it just it just seems almost penal and i think when you've i think from a client's perspective when you haven't got a physical stand to see that's been built um, there's ma- there 's yeah. a mindset shift required at, or a pricing point shift, I should
2: say well, especially what if you think it? about the, obviously there's there 's profit being made by events companies that 's why they run them but yep. there's also a lot of costs associated with having this uh, digital event in terms of the the physical space and all the coordination all the staff that need to be there mm-hmm. now obviously for a virtual event there's going to be some uh, development that needs to go along with it, but if you think about that fee multiplied by the amount of attendees, is it really going to equal the same amount to, to develop something? Because I'm imagining uh, events companies are making a fairly large amount of money for when they hold a large exhibition and they're charging floor for per stand. Yeah. Imagine it costing the same amount to develop uh, an online presence. Um, yeah, and I, th-
0: I think the same with the ticket prices for the attendees. Um, you know, from what I've seen again, the, the attendee point, of if you'd like to attend the exhibition or attend the event or the week or the day or whatever has been put on, um they're almost the same as what it would be to go to the physical event and i don't you know maybe maybe that's the right pricing point isn't it because if
2: if you if you're in uh, exhibition uh, if you sorry if you have a stand i was gonna say exhibitionist that's the wrong word (laughs) (laughs) definitely not that one (laughs) if if you've got a stand in real life and you're expecting to get x amount of business from it and the online world can deliver the exact same amount for you then you know what difference to to you does it make how much you're paying for it as long as you know as long as there's parity there Mm -hmm. but in this world we don't know if we're going to get the same amount of business from it we could get more we could get less and it could be you know all that money down the drain so i think it's tough because it's such an unexplored space we don't know what to expect we don't have metrics of what's our roi how long are people going to spend looking at our stuff and so on they just make it a really a really big unknown for people to venture and i think
0: normally normally you'd have that natural evolution of this if if this is the space we're moving towards but because it's been thrust upon us i think everybody's, again, that little bit of nervousness or, um, yeah, I guess nervousness is the best way to put it, or uh, a, bit, a bit shy about maybe committing the spend to it. I guess it's linked into the virtual space and exhibitions and events, James, I guess sustainability is a huge trend, um, um, if, if you can use the word trend, but I mean, I, I do for sustainability, but also it's, you know, a, a movement um, that people are embracing and looking to champion and, and promote within their own business. Um, exhibition stands we've already seen moving in a more sustainable direction um, is that a big selling point of moving towards the virtual events online kind of offering?
1: Yeah I guess so, it's, it's interesting because I'd say probably more than ever over the last two years I've heard clients saying how can we make this stand environmentally friendly yep. obviously you're creating loads of wood, you're creating loads of graphics and everything yep. to, go, to go around the world Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that this has sort of come up, I guess, at the time where that was starting to become a big factor in the industry. Yeah. Um, I guess thinking like probably like until back, back end of the year and into next year, that, that will be one of the key factors when you've, when we're creating stands. We're going this is made out of that, can be used there, can be used there, and you're getting that much benefit out of one piece of equipment instead mm-hmm. of using one piece of equipment and you go with the traditional term, build and burn. Yeah. Um, I'm sure once virtual events do kick, kick in over the next couple of months, which I do think they will, even though we've discussed it's a bit of a TBC, um, that people will be asking questions about how are you using the same, are you using the same data in the background? So it's always yeah. the same kind of evolve, and it'll be a pattern where, where it does happen. In regards to sustainability, um, as well as I say, the environment mental factor is obviously a big factor in exhibitions and the challenges we do
0: face. Um, I, think, I think also, as well as the stand, you've also got the cost and, and and expense and environmental impact of getting people to these exhibitions. You know, when you think you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people descending on some messer, wherever it may be. Um, you know it's, it's it's the implication that the carbon footprint of traveling to them um but then also the all the tourism all the spend in the local markets that that's missing if those events aren't going to be on and I think for that reason alone it is why I can't see them ever disappearing because they are such a a large player in the in the kind of in, in the annual events calendar, aren't they you know yeah it's like the competitive
1: nature though like one country is doing events and bringing loads of tourism in. For example, mm. the US start, they open the borders, they start doing events, they get loads of tourism, they get loads of business, X things happen. Um, other countries are not going to let their economies grow, <laughs> don't shrink, sorry, while other economies grow. So yeah. obviously it's a great world to be in. It's an exciting chapter next because it's new. It's, yeah. um, obviously traditional exhibition stands have been done in a way for years. People have started to look at changes um, yeah. how we approach this after. Will be dictated probably by a little bit of the market and also about being creative with our ideas. Yeah. And I think that's the key factor now. And then obviously making sure that we're hitting the keywords, which, like we've had just seen virtual and furlough coming, there'll probably be some keywords at the back end. So we need to make sure we're hitting those factors. Yeah. I guess that's the key challenge to make sure that we make other people feel comfortable and also we know we're doing the right thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Ollie, do you think when physical exhibition stands are allowed to? um come to the forefront again do you think that do you think there's a possibility that there'll be smaller people who will be embracing more digitalization on on-stand experience as
2: well do you think that I will... think it depends, and i'm sure it's going to vary a lot from company to company uh, in terms of how they're doing in terms uh, financially mm. if, if a company's you know managed to thrive at the minute as as a few have um yeah. then uh, i'm sure nothing will be affected but I know a large number of companies are obviously having to dial back things, having to follow staff, having to seriously look at how they can uh, financially plan for something that's kind of going on for an indefinite period of time. Yeah, it might mean that you know when when we come back, there's possibly fewer companies to to exhibit, but also they might have to think more wisely, I suppose, about how they use their spend. So it could mean smaller stands, it could mean um, you know looking at other ways to save costs, which could be uh, using digital collateral and things like that instead of. Mm-hmm. Getting hundreds and hundreds of documents printed in every different language that you can possibly imagine. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: And James, do you think, do you think there's there's a there's a potential
0: here that it could impact the kind of logistics arrangements, bookings of, of exhibitions? Because, uh, as you know well, um, lots of exhibition stand spaces are are almost booked twelve months in advance these days. You know, as one exhibition finishes, you're almost booking space for the next year, committing spend. Um, there's an awful lot of cost that goes out the door many months in advance of an exhibition. Um, do you think there's a risk that those timeframes will be shortened because people are more nervous to commit so far in advance, given we've seen what a pandemic like this could, can do?
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I guess if things do become later and the yeah, rebuilding stands like two months before, like we're designing stands two months before, if not the tyre, um, mm. I think a lot of people will... Like a lot of companies, agencies will look to use local suppliers. Mm -hmm. One to reduce the trucking and that kind of cost as well. So that comes out Mm -hmm. and also to reduce the travel for people. So those kind of things could happen. And I think that'll be the key part is making sure the supplier network across the world really. Will be able to meet that challenge and we'll be able to prove that to clients that we're taking it on. And as I say, I think sustainability and environment might be the key words in the 2021
0: definitely a risk of that and then i guess from my side what i've been working on in the background with various clients and contacts and, and new business prospects is a lot around the legals so on on these sides as well with um i mean i don't know about you james i've i've, I've seen very few shows over the years be cancelled um let alone postponed um so it's kind of a bit of a new world there as well and i think that um the cancellation clauses that are typically included in in the events framework agreements or contracts probably aren't robust enough really to cover us for this kind of this kind of uh, what most people are finding for the meantime and then you've got clauses like force majeure clauses so reasons for cancelling outside of the con- outside of your control which again things like this like pandemics aren't particularly defined in those clauses either so Um, As a a tip or a word of advice for anybody, as a client, make sure you're checking your terms um, and any contracts you've got signed with um, exhibition stand builders or providers. um, Understand your cancellation terms, understand um, what you're on the hook for, depending on the time frame up to cancellation. um, And also, finally, see see what's in there for postponement, um, because postponement clauses aren't that typical, is what you tend to see, um, is what I've come across so far anyway. Um, and then finally, the force majeure, I think it will force that to the top of the agenda for any new contract negotiations or revisions going forward. And um, I don't know what you two know about this, but force majeure was typically a clause that was overlooked in most of the contracts that were signed. It, it wasn't. Nobody really paid a great deal of attention to it because you kind of hope you'll never have extreme weather conditions that force you to not be able to attend. A oh, right, taking out the Excel in London. Well, yeah, exactly. And But unfortunately now, I think... Um, the, the procurement conversations and the negotiations will become even tougher on that level as well. Mm. Okay, shall we finish up with some predictions, James? Let's come to you, the the font of knowledge on exhibitions. When do you think we'll see the first exhibition back on back being live, a physical exhibition, large group gathering? I'm thinking, you know, an an in cause an FIE. Um, something of that kind of scale do you think we'll see them this year
1: i'm going to be positive because i like to be yeah um guidelines are saying now september i'm going to say october okay
2: yep ollie it's it's a really tough one isn't it i'm just going to go with november i'll be a bit more pessimistic okay (laughs) I,
0: th- I, th- I think I, th- I my gut feel is that time of year. So I know, I know that's vague, but in the sense of I think I think we will see some events this side this side of Christmas, which is the main thing I think that will be required to restore a bit of confidence in the marketplace. So it'd be interesting to watch this space, and maybe we'll do an, an, an updated podcast as and when we know more, and when we've got anything else we can we can share with clients. So thanks very much, guys. Thanks for thanks for featuring this week. Um, enjoyable episode. Um, feel free to check out uh, b2bknowledge.com. Um, our online um, content hub with all our content ungated to help our content uh, contacts, prospects, and clients navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Um, thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye.